this gentleman uh, belongs not only to the Steelers Hall of Honor, but also the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Our pleasure to welcome in Steeler great Rod Woodson. Rod, how are you? Thanks for joining me today. Appreciate you having me on, man. I, 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 uh, I miss you guys over there. Okay, well, move here. <laughs> or spend well, some... It's a little cold. It's a little cold. Uh, it's nice today, but it won't be that way for long, as you uh, uh, you well know. Rod, I was really interested um, in you the fact that you served as a mentor at the Combine in Indianapolis. Um, Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette did a nice article. Uh, and I'm wondering, what exactly did that entail? Well, really, it's just, you know, you know, talking to the guys, giving them your experience as I went through it years ago before any of those guys were even born. Uh, you know, I went through that <laughs> same experience. And, you know, I just told them, you know, you belong here. Um, it's a great opportunity to represent your wares, um, you know, be on your P's and Q's. I know it's a little longer than uh, normal because they changed it from four days to six days. Uh, this year where guys are being in Indianapolis. So, you know, just talking to them about that. And then, you know, I gave my numbers and certain guys called me and talked to me about workouts and talked to me about, you know, how to fit into a locker room when they first come in as a rookie. So a lot of different perspectives they asked about, um, you know, and I try to do my best to, to give them information at hand. Rod, I'm interested. Um, do you also give them tips in terms of technique or is it strictly on adapting and adjusting not only to the combine, but to what they're likely to face when they go to a camp? Well, I mean, I, we talk about technique. Um, you know, most of those kids in college play to the college rules, so they'll play what they call catch technique. Um, you know, and they, so they can bump the receivers kind of all the way down the field, kind of like what Mel Blunt did his whole career before they put that five-yard uh, contact rule into play because of him. Um, so they can still do that. Um, so we talked about, hey, listen, the difference between the NFL and college is in college you can touch those guys, and the pros you can't, so you got to stay top down. Um, you know, one of my biggest uh, pet peeves, even when I was coaching to the younger players, is that just make sure you're, you're fundamentally sound. Uh, if you're fundamentally sound in your technique, then hopefully over the period of time, and even when your skills start diminishing, uh, you'll still be able to play at a high level because you understand the game, you have the foundation, and you can always go back to the fundamentals. You know, something it's curious to me, Rod, and it used to be exactly 180 the other way. It used to be the college football pretty much copied or adopted what the NFL was doing. But now it seems like it's the other way around, particularly in offense, spread offenses. I remember Mason Rudolph telling me that he had never taken a – snap from under center in his in his life high school college until you know he had to do that you know in the nfl and obviously the spread offense in college and i'm wondering has that changed the way defensive backs play now because they see so much spread four wides rpo and all that kind of stuff well it's it's really based you think about you know back in our day you know, the Buffalo Bills were the K-Gun, so they were always spread for the most part. Then you looked at the running shoe at Warren Moon down in Houston, they were always spread. So, And then teams would, on third down, get into 11 personnel, which is three receivers, one tight end, and one back. On a kind of, you know, I mean, very, I mean, quite often they would do that. But now, that's what everybody lives in. I think the biggest difference today, comparable to when I played, is that everybody's playing in the spread offense, yes. And all the spread offenses are very similar. So you got the zone reads, 
which is um, really just you know if you're going if the quarterback's going to keep the ball or if he's going to give it to the running back. And then you got the RPOs where they're reading the outside linebacker or defender. And if he goes with the ball, they're going to throw it. If he doesn't go with the ball, they're going to hand the ball off. That's the only real difference. Uh, and the rule changes have made it harder for defensive backs to play in the National Football League because you just can't touch guys. Uh, be it, you know, you know, right after five yards, be it in contact when the ball's in the air, being after he catches the football, if you make a solid big hit, uh, there's normally a flag thrown with that, and they're going to say he's a defenseless receiver. So, you know, it's a lot harder today than when I was playing. You know, you, you, you talk like a coach because, you know, obviously you were a very cerebral player, um, but you have coached. Is this something you'd like to continue to um, pursue, or is it out of your system? No, it's not. A, you know, it's, I'm a grassroots football guy. Um, I, I love, you know, I, I did TV for, what, almost 10 years, and uh, that was fun. Uh, but I'm a grassroots football guy. I like being on the field. You know, everything that was given to me uh, from Tony Dungy, from Rod Russ, from Dick LeBeau, Dom Capers, Bill Cower, Chuck Noll, uh, from all those guys that I learned from, really my first ten years of being in Pittsburgh, that's where my most of my knowledge came from for, of this game, and to give that back to the players uh, on a consistent basis, not only about football, but about life skills and life in general, family issues. Uh, you know, that's one thing that Tony did to us when we were younger because we had a lot of young guys in our secondary. If you remember, back in the uh, early, late '80s. Um, so he did a wonderful job with that. So giving it all back to the guys was great. Um, I, I still have an uh, itch to do it. Uh, it would have to be a great, you know, I would like to have it, a, you know, uh, be where somebody will let me coach my philosophy my way. Um, and then, you know, other than that, uh, you know, I always believe that God's going to open the doors that he wants me to walk through. So the doors that he opens, I walk through the doors that he doesn't. Then, you know, obviously I can't go that way. Well, I hope if it's not here that it's somewhere uh, in a warm weather city, so you won't have to, you won't have to deal with that. Uh, you know, you mentioned the guys you played with, uh, and you know there were so many great players uh, on those teams. And one of the reasons that Dan and Art Rooney wanted to establish the Hall of Honor uh, was to f- have a place to honor. Uh, guys who were really, tr- I mean, Cardinal Lake comes to mind. You know, maybe he doesn't make it to Canton, uh, and and his day will come in Pittsburgh. I'm quite sure, but I'm wondering um, the, the Hall of Honor guys. Uh, you know, who who got in? Greg Lloyd, another guy. Um, you know that you played with. Um, there, there's so many. Uh, Joel Steed. I mean, you know, there's just so many of them. Um, I wonder, you know, your thoughts about the Hall of Honor. And in honesty, Rod, I haven't talked to one. Canton Hall of Famer who just isn't thrilled because their teammates are getting recognized here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you, you said two names that, you know, that I would definitely, uh, I believe that should be in the Hall of Honor when you talk about Cardinal Lake and, and Greg Lloyd. Um, you know, they, you, 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 you know, previously before we start the Hall of Honor and then when I was playing, and even when I was coaching, I would go around and see all these other, you know, stadiums with the Ring of Honor, and all their names are on the, you know, inside part of the stadium. And we were like, man, that'd be really nice if the Steelers did that, and they did it. Uh, they did it in their fashion, and it's really neat the way they kind of did it because it kind of reminds you of the Hall of Fame, the way it's set up. Um, 
you know, but you know, talking about two guys who I think should be there, uh, should be nominated, should go in. I mean, Colonel Lake did a tremendous. This guy was an outside linebacker at UCLA. <laughs> Comes in, starts playing safety, uh, plays our dime package. I mean, the whole time him him and I were together, we stayed in dime. Uh, we never went to a nickel package. We always had six DBs on the field. And then, you know, you looked at the, the year that I got hurt in 95. He goes from outside linebacker in college to safety to cornerback position and plays extremely well at the cornerback position to allow uh, Bill Coward to leave a spot open for me. So the guy is a tremendous athlete, one of the best athletes to ever come through Pittsburgh. Um, and you know, I, I think that uh, he should definitely be in the Hall of Honor. I mean, he's he was a playmaker. Anybody that played against him understood how good he was athletically. Um, he was a smart player, a healthy player, and he was a tough player. Yeah, and I was uh, Kevin Green was on a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> and um, uh, he talked about um, as as well as he did his three years in Pittsburgh that he owed Greg Lloyd a huge thank you because. Um, it's like we saw here last year. Once Bud Dupree got his game up, it made T.J. Watt that much better and vice versa. And and uh, Kevin Green thought that, hey, quiver and quake, you had Greg Lloyd on the other side. Um, you couldn't slide a tight end over. Um, you know, you had, you had a chip, but you couldn't chip both. Uh, and, and I would imagine the same thing was true of your defenses back then. Oh, absolutely. We, you know, we used to talk to our coordinators, so talking to Dom Capers and even Rod Russ, when they were first coming in, we, you know, we used to say, hey, man, it's, at the end of the day, just give them salt and pepper. And that's what we used to call them. We used to call them <laughs> salt and pepper. So, like, this, this, give them some seasoning. And if you, if you bring our seasoning, that we're going to win a lot of games. So, you know, our seasoning was Greg Lloyd coming from one end, uh, uh, Kevin Green coming from the other side. You know, we had some really good inside linebackers, too, at the same time. But, uh, you know, having those guys on the edges made it a lot easier to play in the back end because they're getting after those quarterbacks. And the one thing I loved about, you know, Greg Lloyd is that his, you know, his, the where he came from, you know, a black college, uh, seventh-round pick. He was in my class in 87, got hurt his rookie year, and just worked his way from, not really playing to being a baller and all pro player and a pro bowler like he did, I think it's a tremendous feat. You know, a heady player, a guy that took no crap from anybody in the locker room on the field. <laughs> in the room. With the media. Um, <laughs> with the media. Yeah. Um, I mean, he kind of kind of like told you like it was. Uh, and that's what we loved about it. That's what we loved about Greg Lloyd is that he kept it real. And uh, he brought that flavor to the field each week, year and after year for us. And uh, he's another guy that, uh, you know, definitely should be in the Hall of Honor. Uh, there's so many guys, all the 1970s guys, um, you know, talk about and Larry Brown got on this past year. Uh, you know, so speaking of, you know, tight ends who, you know, change positions. Um, and those those guys were the glue guys. I mean, you know, the Hall of Famers like, you know, you, you know, you and, and, and uh, Kevin Green, uh, they, they certainly were the bricks. But you need mortar to have a winning team. And, and those guys, you know, make up that winning team. Um, and that's why the Hall of Honor exists. We do have two new additions going to join you in Canton, Ohio. And I just wanted your thoughts about one of your predecessors, um, Donnie Shell, getting in. Well, we had three guys going in, but two players, right? Obviously, you know, because of Bill and, and Troy and, and Donnie. And you know, Donnie 
tremendous player. Um, you know, Donnie was my roommate my rookie year, even though I held out until, you know, late October. Uh, but, you know, every time we had a home game, we had to room with somebody. Uh, that's what Chuck made us do, and Donnie was my guy. And so, you know, you know, I think I only had like three stays with him or four stays in the hotel. Um, but for him just to, you know, to tell me about being a pro, showing me how to be a pro, talking to me about being on time, talking to me about how to take notes, talking to me just how to handle the media. Um, I mean, in that short period of time, he gave me a lot of information. Uh, it probably didn't all stick on day one, but <laughs> years after years after he left, he planted a seed, and as he planted that, he planted that seed, and other people that came along in John Fox and Marvin Lewis and Dick LeBeau and Rod Russ and all those guys, they helped that seed grow inside of me. So you know, I I told him when I saw him a couple weeks ago that hey, you one of the main reasons that I kept my head about myself because just seeing the professionalism that Donnie played, and not only that, not only what he how he played, but how professional he was off the field. And I didn't even know that Donnie Show had 51 interceptions, or 50, I think it's 51 interceptions. Yeah. And he um, and had 51 interceptions. And he was a strong safety. Right. So when I saw that, I was like, wait, man, he had way more than I thought he had. <laughs> So I was really, uh, I was always impressed about his, you know, just his professionalism. And then I really looked at his numbers. Um, I was really shocked at how great his numbers were throughout his career. And a great person, as you mentioned. And you're one of the few guys who actually bridged the gap playing for Chuck Nolte. He drafted you in 1987. Uh, and then playing for Bill Cowher when he came in 1992. And I, again, Rod, I wanted to ask your thoughts on when Coach Cowher got elected to the he, he got elected to the Hall of Honor last year, um, but now he's in both and he'll be in, inducted in August. And I just wanted your thoughts on, you know, what it was like playing for him and him joining you in Canton, Ohio. Well, Bill was a, I, Bill was a very fair coach. Um, you know, you know, I, I love Bill Cower. Um, you know, he was great to me in my five years of being under him. Um, you know, he was the reason in '95 that I got the opportunity to play in my first Super Bowl, even though we did lose to you know the Dallas Cowboys, is that he didn't put me on IR after I hurt my knee in Week One. Yeah. Um, most coaches in the National Football League, really, no, let's be honest. All coaches in the National Football League outside of Bill Cowher would have put me on IR. And Bill was the only person he, he listened to me. And I was like, Coach, I can come back in four months. And he gave me that opportunity. Obviously, we, you know, everything kind of worked out where Carnell moved over. Nobody, no other DBs really got hurt. Our defense and our offense, uh, we, our team as a whole just played really good football to get us to that place. Uh, but he left that light on at the end of the tunnel. Most coaches would have never done that. Um, so he was a coach's he was a coach's player, uh, loving to death. And when he got in, I saw he got in. I gave him a call and said, you know, not only can I call you coach, but I also can call you teammate now because you're on my team as a Hall of Famer. Yeah, so it's a, it was a great you know the way it was done. He's on national TV, and they uh, you know did the same thing with Jimmy Johnson. It was just terrific. And before I let you go, Rod, I, I know you're going to be participating, talking about uh, Pittsburgh on the uh, Steelers men's fantasy camp coming up May 29th through the 31st, and you're going to be uh, a mentor, an assistant coach. What's your role going to be there? Yeah, I'm just coming over to have fun. I mean, I went last year, 
and I you now had other stuff to do, so I didn't get to go to be a coach, but I did speak and all that stuff, with, which was great being uh, with the guys, uh, you know, eating and all that stuff. Uh, but now I get to come to full time and be a coach where I can put through, I can put guys through my little drills that I kind of like and see, how, you know, see how good athletes our guys are coming through the camps. Well, as they say, um, once a stealer, always a stealer. Is that how you feel about it? I've been in black and gold since I've been 15 years old. So my high school was black and gold. My college was black and gold. My first team was black and gold. So the vast majority of my life is black and gold. As a matter of fact, we just got a movie room in our new home, and I, we painted it black and gold. So if that's not enough for you, I okay. don't know what <laughs> That'll do. That'll do. That's right. Black and gold all over the high school and at Purdue and uh, everywhere else. Rod, thanks so much for spending the time. Uh, the Steelers Hall of Honor. Uh, we're accepting nominations now, and I'm a member of the committee. The selection committee will begin meeting in about uh, a month and a half or so and hopefully come up with a great class, and we really appreciate your time with us today. Yeah, Carnell Lake, man. Carnell Lake. You got it. No question. It's, All right, now. <laughs> uh, we got plenty of deserving guys. It's not everybody on the list is deserving. Just a matter of uh, when, not if. That's right. All right. Thanks, Rod. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot.